Welcome back to the Section K Podcast. Today's Tuesday, November the 12th. On today's episode, we got our homie Evan Moffitt joining us. Colburn Blue Larson on Skype call. Hey, hey. What's up? Um, Cody Headlands up in Oklahoma City at the AQHA World Show. On today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about the AQHA World Show. We're going to talk to Montana Evan Moffitt about highbrow cat, some of his favorite highbrow cat offspring since he wasn't with us last week when we were talking about that. And then we're going to get into some more fraternity talk, um, some of our favorite go-round horses in the past, and talk a little bit about what's to come with the NCHA fraternity right around the corner. Uh, big thanks for tuning in to the show today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode of the Section K Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Brazos Valley Stallion Station. The roster of stallions at Brazos Valley Stallion Station, located in Stephenville, Texas, is shaping the performance horse world with its unique stallions representing the cutting, cow horse, roping, and barrel racing industries. The skill and experience of the entire staff and the one-of-a-kind facility provide a vital center to ensure your breeding success. For a complete listing of stallions and more information, visit BrazosValleyStallionStation.com or like their page on Facebook, Brazos Valley Stallion Station, LP. So, Monty, the, the feedback in Missouri on your podcast, it was pretty good, huh? Pretty solid. Uh, really, really strong Missouri base right here. I mean, these people were, were pretty pumped. A lot of people had just just heard about it through the family and everything through there and um but yeah it it had a whole pretty big boost from missouri people wanting in and, and all that so they listened and they loved it people some, you know people who the, don't even know about the cutting or the section k or are now people who are, are following your facebook page and, and doing all that so that's pretty cool montana I am happy to be a part of making you famous. Well, I appreciate it. Nothing like a little 15 minutes of fame. I think it was longer than 15 minutes. <laughs> well, hopefully just some people that didn't know what Monty's been up to got some good insight on his employer here over the last, what, six years? Is six, that what you yeah. said on the podcast? Yeah, and six years in January. Kind of have an idea. Maybe they went back and listened to some of our older episodes or some of our older yeah, interviews and learn sure. something about cutting or, or learn something about somebody that's in cutting. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, with Cody being gone, we, we had told the people that our man Montana was going to be joining us for some more um, episodes. So we figured with Headland up at the AQHA World Show, we would bring you on. And uh, last week we talk, got to talking about some highbrow cats and uh, just – what a legacy highbrow cat left on the performance horse world. And I got to thinking you've been around one of the best cat Gildens, I feel like, and I'm sure you're pretty partial to old, old Crawford, but other than that one, um, and spe specifically that one, um, what are some other highbrow cat offsprings and kind of what were your thoughts on highbrow cat passing on? Man, I tell you when, with highbrow cat, he's a true, legend in our sport i mean he's made his mark as as deep as any horse since doc bar um there was a time where doc bar was king and then after that we've had a lot of really really great horses come through but then all of a sudden here come highbrow cat who had changed the entire industry in my opinion 
he was siren horses that were doing things before their time and is still today. You know, some people tell us that we got to move move forward with the industry and keep breeding new horses, but the thing about Highbrow Cat is he's still breeding horses, doing things that are competitive today that that were 20 years ago when he was siren horses. So a horse like that, in my opinion, even though he's gone now, will continue to sire great horses from for time to come. You know, his they're they're trainable. They fit any program. That's that's why they've won the eighty four million dollars because any sort of style can take a highbrow cat and train one. And that's like being around the Hebia cat, the horse we call Crawford there at Terrence. He, uh, I feel like anybody can get along with him no matter what you're wanting to do he could be a jam up horse in any discipline because of the mind and the ability they're just they're tremendous horses and and obviously you know taryn he he won 401,000 on him and you know just a tremendous horse their their minds are right they're trainable they uh they can do anything yeah another one over there that you guys had some success on was hr cat starlight for ej huntley and that was another just bright eyed just fun fun looking horse and uh yeah just a great overall horse that uh, i love to watch you yeah great another great gildan highbrow cat and and kind of something cool right there you know the the hebia cat he won four hundred one thousand. um hr cat starlight he's won a little over two hundred fifty thousand. and something i was thinking about on the highbrow cats is you know that horse has crossed good on so many different mare lines one of those, you know, Crawford's out of a, a Freckles Playboy mare. This one's out of a Starlight. And it didn't doesn't really matter what you seem to breed that horse to. He produces champions out of several different mare lines. And, and that's a true stamp of a, of a great sire. It didn't just take one specific mare line to, to make something. You could breed him to anything and, and get a champion. And, they, and that's why he's, he's been so great. One thing that we didn't really talk very much about last week about it, and you just said the number, and it's a number that is so ridiculously high that we ended up not even putting it in yesterday because we weren't sure exactly if we were right on that number. And it's, it's a, you said 84, it says on here 83 million. And it's just, Imani, you maybe, do you know what Metallic Cats is right now? Yeah, he's uh he just crossed the thirty million dollar mark. So, so he, yeah. I mean, it's just like if there's gonna be any other horse that breaks the record, it's maybe gonna be a son of Highbrow Cats. Yeah, I I but, totally agree. I but totally that agree. number of eighty three million is absolutely absurd to even think of that a horse has produced that much offspring that has done that well. Yeah, because if you think about it, like in the race horse, quarter horse racing, I mean, them horses are winning a million and two million and several hundred thousand. And they're, if I'm not mistaken, their number one guy is first down dash. And I think he produced $79 million. Yes. And then here we have Highbrow Cat, who we have enough frozen semen and all that. Like this horse could go on to be realistically a 90 or or a a hundred million dollar sire i mean it it's i think when it's all said and done it may he may be close to yeah and i think uh, so and i think and i think also with metallic cat i think he's well on his way 
Um, but he still has a long ways to go. Oh, a long way. I th- I think um I think he can honestly go over highbrow cat. Um, he's not all that old. Um, his semen seems to be great. He breeds a, a slug of mares every year. So I, I think a horse like him or, or somebody will, will go on and out and maybe outproduce highbrow cat. Well, and especially now all that frozen semen's in some pretty good hands over at the beach fork ranch with Madison crumb and, and spud Sheehan's going to be in the saddle, um, breeding highbrow cat to a ton of those great mares. Um, I mean, we haven't forgot about chromed out cat. I don't think we talked about her much last week on the podcast, but that's another one of my just all time favorite cat offspring. That's one of like your stereotypical, just badass cat mare run over there, stop, turn around, hold a dirty cow, do what you need her to do. Um, but I, I feel like you could be seeing highbrow cat highbrow cats winning a whole lot more money um especially now that that madison and and the folks over at the beach fork ranch are going to be be breeding that highbrow cat to to some of those really good mares so well and just another thing to add to that is uh i mean it, it to look at it right now it seems i mean metallic cat is that's where a lot of people want to uh breed their horses to um and Maybe that's a little bit of a reason why highbrow cat's not up there as high is because of of uh, metallic cat. But metallic cat has now produced some studs that are well on their way to to being in the mix of getting Damn a lot straight. of people like metallic cat. Metallic cat hashtag Stevie Ray Vaughan Rebel, and, and it may slow down metallic cat getting so many horses because of some of his offspring. Uh, I mean, a lot of people wanting to breed to those horses, and they still have a couple year, more years. Some of them do till they're getting shown at the fraternity. But once once they hit the fraternity, and people see what those uh, horses are producing uh, with their offspring, I mean, things could change, and, and the numbers could go in a different way. I'm glad you brought up some of those metallic cat uh, stallions, and and I feel like this is a really good segue into an aqha world chat but um one we didn't just mention was call me mitch and i don't know if you saw cbl or have been following much of the aqha world show online but um call me mitch is primarily shown in the rain cow horse events you'll see him at the world's greatest horseman and you'll see philip rawls out on the west coast uh showing call me mitch in the bridal classes but I thought it was really cool um, to see Call Me Mitch go show in the cutting at the AQHA World Show, marked a 221, made the finals. I'm not sure when the finals Wowza. are, but that's another metallic cat stallion that I absolutely love. And when he comes and shows at the world's greatest, he's damn sure cutting with his hand down in the herd work. Um, Monty, what are your thoughts on the AQHA World Show as a whole? Man, I tell you, it's one of my absolute favorite things. Um I think the first time I went to the AQHA World Show, I was in high school, and it, it's something that's truly, really neat, because no matter what discipline you like, there is something for you, and um, oh, it's, it's just neat. It's a great atmosphere. You can see so much, meet so many people, a lot of good food. They have an entire building full of vendors. I mean, it is unreal. You can spend hours after hours looking through stuff it is it's truly one of the neatest things anybody can experience i love the aqha show and one of my biggest goals in life is to is to make it in the cut and i'd love i'd love to win one of them globes 
and take a victory they're lap. Sweet. I think that would be. Yeah, I think that would be pretty badass, sweet. Badass man. Yeah, that's badass man. <laughs> yeah, big shout out Cody Headland. He's going to be shown in the finals over at the AQHA World Show. So, yep. Would you Would you tell us? Yeah, and yeah, um, I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good luck, Cody Headland and the Headland family, Rock Headland. Um, up at the AQHA World Show. Um, Monty, are, are there any runs from the AQHA World Show? Maybe you remember whether it be the cutting or So I tell anything? you, one of, one of the coolest ones ever, when I was in college, I went to uh, Fort Scott Community College, and I was on the horse judging team. And I had tried my best to tell my to convince our coach to go watch the cutting. It was me and uh, seven other girls, and they were into Pleasure and Halter and all that. And I said, hey. That's cute. Yeah, yeah, that's what I told him. I said, "Hey, that stuff's neat, but I said tonight is the is is the open cut and finals. We need to go see it." And they're like, "No, no, 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 no. We're not going." I said, "No, we got to." So we ended up going. So that was the year Boyd had already won three AQHA World Championship titles on Sophisticated Cat, and and they went. I don't remember all the horses that were in the draw. But we got Sophisticated Cat and Don't Look Twice. They tie. Well, in the AQHA rules, in, if they have a tie, we, we're going to run it off, work it off, whatever the event is. But we're going we're gonna to have a, a smack down cut and right here, get it back on. And that was really neat because Boyd and, and Phil on the Don't Look Twice had spectacular runs. And, and Phil ended up winning. But in my, I mean, I didn't judge, but in my opinion, I thought Boyd had it in, the, in just the finals. I thought he smoked them, but, you know, a horse to to win that three years in a row. And then I remember just a couple years ago, uh, Code, Cody Hedlund, he won on Metellus Cat. And the cool thing to me about the AQHA is if you win your event, you automatically get a free invitation back to the world show. So you don't have to qualify. So, like, when he won, won the the junior cutting on Metellus Cat, he got a he got an invite back the next year. So, Boyd, he cut for free for four years up there. He never had to go to those smaller weekend show-type nope. qualifiers to qualify for the AQHA World Show. You just yeah, you just, just get like in winning and, a green jacket and you just get yeah. to come back next year. See you all next year. Thanks for coming to my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought the AQHA World Show, it looked, looked cool. I hadn't been up there yet, but... Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. Codeman had sent me a Snapchat earlier. He was trotting around out there. I think it's where they had the flag and stuff during the during the non-pro cutting when they had had that event there. And there was just a pleasure person just lunging around. So I feel like probably everywhere you go, you're going to see different types of horses and come in contact with different people. So I think that's another super cool part about the AQHA World Show that you mentioned. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. Colburn, have you ever been up there? No, sir, I have not, uh, but something a little sim- similar to it. What's the show in Columbus, Ohio? What's the name? The Is Congress. it Congress? Yes, sir. AQHA Quarter Horse Congress. That's it's another so, really it's cool pretty event. neat. Yeah, it is really cool. I, the year that Tatum hauled Easy e in the open, uh, went up there, and there's uh, an outside pin, or which it's covered, uh, but it's a, it's a loping pin for rainers and cutters. So all the all the uh, cutters are loping the same direction, and all the rainers are going every other direction. It, it's just a cluster of people going in and out. So that was one thing that was a little weird for me to see because I, 
I mean, all of us that ride cutting horses, I think that's kind of one of the basic things you you learn early on as you go the same direction as everybody else. Yeah, those rainers, they'll be swapping directions. Oh, they'll be loping, every spinning, which way, doing this, doing swapping that. leads. You're loping left, then next thing you know, you're loping right. So I thought that was pretty cool. CBL. I, one cool thing about the Congress, I um, went there in college with my horse judging team again, and that was probably the neatest thing was of being on part of that team was going to all these AQHA shows. But one thing that I enjoyed about the Congress the most and has stuck with me, and I'd love to go back just for this one reason, was they seriously have the very best fried bologna sandwich that, you can, that you can get. And, I mean, that it, that's awful. an acquired taste. It is phenomenal. Sounds- Sounds and I awful. would drive all the way back out there just for that sandwich. Monty, he's got a very eccentric palate. I'll just say that. He's a country boy. I'm a connoisseur of fine foods. CBO, we've been talking about some of our favorite mounts, and I think the people um, saw during the summer show a glimpse of the great mayor, Little Wilma. Your family unfortunately lost Little Wilma here, was it last week? Yeah, ago. Uh, no, it was last week. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, no, sorry to hear that, man. Um, I know just one of my first memories of you is is hearing that mare's name, whether it was you showing her in the youth at Graham or, or Silverado or any time you came down to Texas. And then, I mean, there, there for a while you guys were uh, uh, showing baby, uh, babies out of her too. So, um, yeah, talk a little bit about little Wilma and kind of what she meant to y'all's family. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's really kind of hard to put in words what she actually meant to our, uh, my family. And, you know, uh, I actually didn't get to show her just a whole lot. My mom, uh, Wilma Larson, she actually won a majority of the money she won. Uh, and, I, and I showed her in the youth, but, you know, uh, we, we went down the bloodlines with uh, a sire, Wilson's little freckles, uh, which is a son of freckles playboy. And before we even bought this stud, um, this horse, little Wilma, uh, my parents bought her. And really the only reason why they even looked at the horse was because they seen her name and thought it was funny because my mom's name is Wilma. And, uh, my parents ended up buying little Wilma when she was five. Um, she actually, she ha- we retired her when she was, I don't know, seven or eight years old. And uh, then she kind of just became a broodmare because she, she had some soundness issues. But, I mean, just for for, a, for someone like me that's grown up, grown up in cutting, and, for example, Caden, you, when you started learning to show what were you, 16, 17 years old? Yeah, 15, 16, old? Yeah. right there. So, so you know, a lot of the trial and error for me learning was when I was at such a young age where really it didn't even matter uh, when I did bad or anything. Um, and so that horse was at, at a point in time when I got to show her where I, I wanted to do good, but, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. And at the time you think you start doing good and you kind of think that you're the one that is contributing to it, but you look back on it now and you get more experience in life and you just, I mean, she is a, a contributing factor of why I still 
am showing today. And, uh, I mean, when I showed her, I mean, it was her taking over every single time. And, I, I, I mean, I didn't even actually get to show her, but probably, I don't know, I wouldn't say any more than 15 to 20 times. Uh, but one of one of the highlights was the first win in, or uh, I was actually reserved, but it felt like I won uh, when I was in the junior youth scholarship cutting, riding her in there and just hearing everybody cheer for you and you're 12 years old and I'm walking to the herd. My biggest worry was whether, which I've said this before, but it was whether I was going to put my hand down on, if I was man enough to put my hand down on my horse's neck from getting, it yeah. off, from, from getting it off the swells. But uh, just one thing I'd like to add to it is because uh, I just was looking all this stuff up, stuff up because I was curious. Um, she she only won fifty eight thousand, but something that I, I was actually she was she uh, produced more than her offspring has won more than I actually thought her. She has six total money money earners of one hundred and forty eight thousand, in which uh, all of them, but uh, are all of them. My dad started. We raised uh, Rio Wilson. He's the highest. He won fifty four thousand. I made the uh, limited non pro fraternity finals and semifinals on him. Uh, Twenty fourteen, I believe. Something yep. like that. Uh, little Bob, my dad. Marked an 18 in the first go. Really good horse the, there. I remember yeah, he, Bob. Yeah, he, he and you know all of her her falls they were really kind of tough to train and everything, but uh, I mean I I'm pretty proud. She had 10 total falls and six of them are money earners, and she was able to uh have them produce 148 thousand. That's that's something that uh I think. I'm the most proud about is that we raised that many out of her that, and you know, not even a one of them we own anymore, but, uh, it's just kind of cool to see, see that. Cause I really didn't, I wasn't, uh, exactly sure how much money she, her, her foals had won. So, yeah, I think that's something that's pretty incredible. Cause I mean, anybody that breeds any sort of horse hopes that they have something that produces and, and more times than none, it's, it's not easy to have something that goes on and, and produces like that Mary, you know, and who produced 148,000. Yeah. Is it like Royal Blaboon that produced 2 million, but to have something like that, even though time and time again, her foals are, are hitting and winning money. I think that's phenomenal. I bought a mare a couple years ago, um, a smart mate mare that was in full to Metellus cat. And I've, I've thought for the last three or the three years that I've owned her, I've hoped that maybe just like you're saying, that little Wilma is the reason why you're still cutting. I hope that maybe one day Missy's May is kind of the cornerstone of my own program. Yeah, and, and you know, so that that's pretty neat, and I think that's that's something pretty special that it, y'all had that mare and she's produced that much for y'all. Well, yeah, yes, sir. And one other thing uh, to to add on that, but I mean. Like, without Little Wilma, I mean, my parents probably wouldn't have bought DS Miss Wilson Freckles when she was two. Uh, Wilson's little chick, just, uh, Wilson, or she's a high chick, which is one of our other broodmares that is probably our best broodmare, uh, just because uh, she crossed well on Wilson's little freckles, and we had bought um, a, 
a mare out of she's a high trick first which her name was wilson's little chick um but it's just i mean because of little woman and what my parents thought of little woman it just changed everything and the entire direction of how they were breeding horses at the time and i mean the wilson's little freckles bloodline i mean i every nearly every dollar that i've earned showing cutting horses is because of that stud and uh i don't know it's just you there's not very often that you get to keep horses around their entire lifetime um especially when sometimes you're trying to get by and some of these horses that they can bring a decent value and you got you sometimes you have to sell them uh but there's sometimes there's horses that you're bound and determined that they're not leaving your place till the day they die and i'm happy to say that little one was one of those that we were able to keep till the day she died yeah no i think i think that's really special um yeah i can totally kind of i can't imagine what it's like um losing a mare like that that you rode and had success on um i'm just now as i've talked about starting to ride horses uh that i raised and old mexican radio's mom nsr bonita bell um, she's Anita's wood mare out of a dual pet mare called Duelina Bell, and I never even showed her, and I absolutely love her. Anytime I would do good on Mexican radio, I'd come home and go out and pet on her, and <laughs> and it's like, man, I mean, those brood mares and those mamas, they mean a ton to us and, and a ton to your program, especially those good ones. Um, and then, I mean, seeing seeing what, what we have coming up to, it only excites you more. So, um, yeah, condolences to... Dana, Wilma, the whole Larson family um, out in the panhandle of Texas. Um, hopefully you guys are coming across y'all's next great mayor. So. Amen. Thanks, homie. The NCHA Futurity, guys, it's coming up. I believe it's nine days away um, from the time we'll be dropping this episode. It's currently 11 days away. That's because we're recording this on Sunday. But um currently talking in the future so it'll be nine days from when we are um, releasing this episode Um, I feel like the go rounds of the fraternity the open fraternity specifically some of the best watching um, you have the opportunity to see um, some really great horses um, on their maiden voyage their first run ever be shown uh, in the bright lights of Will Rogers and I feel like um, in the past, there's been some great horses have some spectacular runs in the go rounds. And for me, I know, um, the horse that I can think of that just breezed through the go rounds, uh, Montana, what was, uh, a go round cutting horse there at the fraternity that, that just strikes your memory, strikes your fancy. Man, I tell you a second spot. She, she really stuck out. I'll never forget. It was about, it was about the bash time. And I was sitting in the crowd. They were set on the five- and six-year-old finals. And Lance Cooper was sitting with me, and I, he had asked me if I'd seen any good three-year-olds. And I said, yeah, you know, I've, I've seen a couple. I said, what about you? And he said, man, i tell you what. He said, Matt Gaines has uh, spots hot. And he said, I don't, I don't know what merits out of, but he said it is unreal. And that was kind of the end of our conversation. Nothing more, nothing less. And I... Uh, here in a couple of weeks, I got to looking through the draw, and, and I see Matt Gaines on a mare named Second Spot, and I thought I want to I want to be in there and see this, and I thought so I go so I go in there and I see 
I see him show her and I think, wow, like that that horse right there can win this whole deal. He kind of cruised through. I don't remember what he marked, but it was uh, 18 and a half, 19 and a half, 20, somewhere in there. But just a very strong, dominant horse. And and she sure enough did. I mean, she cruised straight through that entire show. And, and when he ended up winning it, I mean, she looked like a, a four-year-old in December compared Fine. to a to yeah. a a three-year-old i mean that mare was unreal i mean doing doing things that most three-year-olds are not doing and she was doing those in the first go-round yeah i mean this was silly i remember us you and i monty riding behind uh the call sim uh and i asked you which horse uh you liked the best and you were like well there's only there's one horse and then there's all these other horses that are here and you're like you got to watch Matt Gaines in second spot. You just you said this, it, the horse just is like stops as good as you want him and just reading a cow. And so then I made sure and watch because you said, and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that mare had so much to her. Monster stop, all the stuff in the middle, and then she's gone on to have an incredible career. Amazing. She has so much to her. Obviously, you know, Lloyd, he's had it the last several years and and has done an incredible job. That mare, I I look forward to see her as a broodmare. Her mom, Racy Moon, was incredible, had all that stuff. You know, just an entire family of, of great horses right there. You have any more, Monty? I tell you, I didn't I didn't see this one, but but Boyd Rice called it when Steve Ray Vaughn won. He, I didn't even see him in the first go round, and it's hard because, I mean, I'd love to sit there and watch all the horses in the first go round, but having a job and 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 trying to get ready for ourselves, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard to sit there and watch everybody. But yeah. I, I had missed Stevie. I had never thought to to even watch. You know, no, I hadn't heard anything about him. But Boyd would just would had just happened to be in there, and he he told me he said, "Hey, did you watch?" ed duferina show his metallic cat stud and i said no i didn't wasn't good and he said yeah he said i think he said i think right there's our winner he said it horse looked like he's got all all the tools very mature and and looks like he can handle any situation and he dang sure did two class winner yeah sure enough with rietta limited, wins limited the limited non-pro. non-pro and yeah and and what a horse he's been yeah for me 2017 open fraternity champion dual rayish and austin shepherd um that was just one of the more dominant performances at an ncha fraternity that i can remember i think he marked a 222 and a half in the first round won that first go um had the second highest score in the second round marked like a 220 i mean when do you ever hear of a three-year-old having a 442 and a half aggregate score going into the semis and then he comes into the semifinals Marked a 223 in the semis, won that, and then came back in the finals, marked a 228 to be your NCHA Open Fraternity Champion. I just remember that horse crawling around, it being kind of a smaller horse and just acting like Austin wasn't even up there. I mean, just it was so easy for him early on, and obviously they've gone on to to have a lot of success on that horse um, down the line as well, but... Yeah, those those first two go rounds at the at the fraternity in 2017, um, when Dual Rayish 
um, lit up the scoreboard. That was that was one of the one of my favorite performances in the go rounds. What about you, CBL? Um, which horses have stuck out to you? Well, hold on, Monty. I have a little response to K Rudd. Oh, okay. Uh, so when Dol Reyes was a three-year-old, was the year that Austin and Tatum were hauling for the open world. And there towards the end, uh, there was a lot of shows that they were both at. And specifically in Batesville, Mississippi, they would uh, have some pre-works, just them two, in the mornings before the show started or, or whatnot. And uh, I remember watching Del Reyes and, and then compare, especially comparing them to the my three-year-old that I had that year, I w- could barely get this horse foot turned. And uh, off that horse, or Del Reyes was just on a... I mean, just an incredible level super early on as a three-year-old, too. So, I mean, that that that's one of those horses that is just destined to do great things at the fraternity and, and whatnot. Yeah, shout out your Open World Champion and your NCHA Open Fraternity Champion was the same person 2017 and in 2018, uh, Tatum in 18 and Big A in 17, so... It's another pretty cool stat. Yeah, what a what a feat that is right there to to win the open open world championship title and then come back and win the fraternity. Neither one of those can be is not an easy task. Well, to no. me, it kind of makes sense though. Like you're hauling those three year olds everywhere you go, just like Tatum said. I I was actually went back and listened to I was listening to some older Section K podcasts and I listened to Tatum's interview. And I thought it was really interesting that he said he probably wouldn't have won the fraternity and had as much success on Crazy as he has had it not been for her going to literally every single cutting that he went to there that, what, second half of the year, second, second, third of the year. I mean, they're there for that last half of the year. You're pretty much hauling those horses everywhere you go and riding them as much as you can. And I I can't imagine um, a horse like that, that especially as how hot, as he said she is, um, I can't imagine how how much riding and how much sweating um, he put on her to uh, to get her to be as good as she was. Word. Uh, so my, I have mine are a little off the wall, a little different than uh, the direction you guys have went and um, saying champions and whatnot. Which one of them is a non-pro champion? Uh, the first horse, um, the horse is kind of didn't end up having as good a career as it, it went at uh, the fraternity. But uh, Smart Time Pepto-10 with Ascension Banuelos, that was a fan favorite for the Venezuelans and the Brazilians. Uh, and, I, I mean, just compa- on a fraternity level, I mean, I in my opinion, watching that horse is, I mean, it was trained to death and it would sling across a cow. And I just in the finals, in the fraternity finals, I remember how far Ascension drove up on his first cow. He nearly was to the judges' stand uh, when he cut his first cow. But uh, that's a horse that kind of sticks out to me that was after every go-round, there was some another person would say something to you about, hey, uh, have you watched this horse? Uh, and another, the other one, uh, is Junie Wood, and kind of probably for 
completely different reasons than like how we're saying all these other horses is uh, in the open. I believe maybe in the second go uh, was got ran over, and then Craig Crumpler showed her in the non-pro, and I mean he barely survived in the first and second go, but I watched her in the second go, and there was. I want to say it was on a second cow. There was just this time where uh, the cow attacked her in a way where she was turned, she was facing one way, and how this cow ran at her was from her shoulder to just directly to her tail. And that horse ducked underneath the cow and got on the other side of the cow and blocked it, and he was able to tag off, off the cow. He only uh, marked a. I, I, I want to say Mark 13 and a half. I think he, he didn't have a huge combined score. Uh, but I, I went back to the stalls and I told my mom, I was like, I don't, I don't care what he marked. I don't care uh, how close to the bottom of making it to the bubble. I was like, that horse that Craig Kumpler just showed is a good, as good a horse as I've seen. And then he ends up going on to win it. And then, uh, Slate River Ranch buys that horse, and Johnny Mitchell kicks rear end on that horse his whole age event career. Yeah, there for a while, Craig Crumpler, he was bringing tons of great horses to the NCHA fraternity. Junie Wood, another one of my favorites of his, Woody's Bad Boy. Um, you're another non-pro um, fraternity champion. Um, yeah, the Crumplers, they'd always have some good ones there at the fraternity. So one that we can't let slide past just because of the – outrageous first round score is clint allen and special new kitty that's i mean you it's pretty unheard of to have you you go down there in the first go in the open and you're marking a a 227 or it was that the correct score it was up there i think that's right legit 76 is pretty much across the board first that's first go crazy. round of the so ncha crazy. fraternity on a three-year-old i mean that's just insane yeah, I mean, if, if you're marking a 18, 19 in that first go round, you're, you're on a you're damn peaked. good horse. Yeah, you're more than on cloud nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're in business. Yeah, you're you're thinking, holy smokes, this is awesome. I mean, you're you're in a solid mood until that second go starts again. I mean, you're you're pumped. <laughs> or you're the night going. before the second go. Yeah, yeah. No, if you're marking 18, 19, you're you're slapping hands, shake. You know, it's it's badass. <laughs> And I'll tell you what, too, speaking of, y'all were talking about the Junie Wood, I'm, I'm more than certain her very first three-year-old this year, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I hate to speak too soon, but I'm, I'm very sure that Johnny is showing a metallic cat out of her this year. So that's... That's exciting. That's very exciting. Wowzer. A mare as great as she was. Now we're seeing her very first baby come. I, I would definitely think that's one that everybody should watch. I think that's that's something else right there. I'll tell you, man. I've seen a ton of good three-year-olds this year. It seems like everywhere you go, start starting from the Derby. I mean, you seeing seeing folks riding their threes around all the way through Amarillo and then through Vegas, and then you get into pre-working season. And I mean, I've seen tons of people that have damn sure put in the hard hours and and done their jobs. And it's just gonna gonna come down to cutting the right cows and and cutting them clean, and uh, who's going to have the best cows, I think, because, I mean, as everyone said, that fraternity is anybody's game. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's just 
so much just because you haven't technically went and showed the horse. I mean, all of us are trying to go to pre-works and fine-tune things and feel things where you try to put it into a show situation, but it's still not the same because you know you can you can pull on the horse. Uh, you get through that first cow at the fraternity. It doesn't matter if you're showing the open, non-pro, amateur. It doesn't matter which class. Once you can get through that first cow, it makes everything. Your confidence level can either go sky high or it can go all the way down to the bottom. But, I mean, it's just it's so important to not get in the way before you can tag off that first cow so you can get a really good feel of what what you need to improve on or uh, uh, the things that your horse is doing really good. Uh, but, I mean, it's an exciting time. It's a uh, nerve-wracking time for, I think, everyone, owners, trainers uh but I've, the fraternity is the best time of the year in the cutting horse industry and i think for the most part everyone's excited about it plus the world finals will be going on for the open and non-pro and i mean that's always some pretty fun watching and the western bloodstock sale can't forget that um, a two-year-old sale another good place to go find you a good yearling whether you you want to find your next aged event finalist or aged event champion or or if you're into into doing some horse trading, I know um, there's some money to be made up there at the Western Bloodstock buying colts up there. So be sure to not miss out on the Western Bloodstock sales too. Yeah, it's definitely a very exciting time between all the go rounds of the fraternity, the the Western Bloodstock sale. There is something for everybody to buy there. And then also the world finals. So the whole show is exciting. Whether you're you want to come watch the fraternity finals, watch the horses sale, or watch these open and non-pro horses cut up, and then also every other class in the uh, NCHA weekend cutting class, there is something for everybody to watch. And if you're not having a good time, then you're probably not into cutting. That's a fact. Well, it's coming down to the bitter end, guys. Um, the NCHA Fraternity is right around the corner, and if I'm not mistaken, next week's show will be our last show that's not broadcast live from the exhibit hall. Uh, the Section K boys, I'm sure, will be finding another layer. Our original Section K layer was commandeered by Kerry in the show office there in the corner of the exhibit hall by Dennis. I kind of miss Dennis, and I'll miss Dennis this this year at the Fraternity. Um, be sure to go by Dennis's booth, too, while you're there, but... Um, I think we have also a, a pretty detailed list of folks that um, people have emailed us or sent us a message on Facebook or Instagram that we are going to try and sit down with during the fraternity. So um, hopefully we are releasing some good interviews and uh, accumulating some, some fantastic interviews to release um, during and after the fraternity. Uh, so big thanks to all those that that sent in recommendations and people they thought that we should interview, um, be looking out for those and, uh, follow us along on Facebook, section K podcast, Instagram, section K podcast, and be sure and shoot us an email section K pod at gmail.com. Big thanks for tuning in this week and we will see you on down the road. Adios amigos. Bye.